We have the ability to define success. It's all about their vision and then making sure you align their vision with their work ethic. I wanted to be the hero, man. I wanted to save kids. That was my job. That's what I was going to do. This is SB Live's The Prep Slab with TJ Cotter, the podcast where you will hear authentic conversations about how things get done in high school athletics. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit scorebooklive.com slash Washington to access all the Preps Lab podcasts, as well as statewide high school sports news, features, photos, highlights, and more. Today we're talking with Timberline boys basketball coach Alan Thomas about connecting and relating to the 2020 student-athlete, this generation of student-athletes. Coach Thomas has been at Timberline for 18 years. This would be his ninth year as the head coach. And he's reached the state tournament six of the eight years that he's been the head coach there. Just a ton of success uh, while he's been at, at Timberline, but also just a lot of success with our topic today, and that's uh, connecting with the players within his program. Coach, just thank you so much uh, for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure getting to, getting to give back to the game and you know exposing our program in a, in a positive way. Well, I kind of talked to you about this a little bit earlier, but I'd, I'd reached out to a former player of yours recently, a former UW-Montana guard, Donovan Dorsey, uh, who called you the best coach he's ever had. And he's played for some really great coaches. But he said he certainly wouldn't be the only player of yours to say that about you. Called you the ultimate player's coach, always intentionally interacting with players and reaching out on and off the court, and how he could just tell how much you love doing what you do. Uh, what does hearing something like that uh, mean to you and how important is it to you that you build uh, relationships like that with your players uh especially hearing it from you know donovan dorsey it means a lot to me because what people don't really know is if it wasn't for him believing in me as a head coach when the position came open i wasn't really even going to try out i mean try to apply for the position but he was the one guy that was like if if you don't get the job i'm out of here you know and so he believed in me, and in that belief, I made sure that, you know, I was going to be 100% invested. I wasn't going to shortchange anybody in the process. Taking 10 years in order to be a head coach and going through the grind of being a C-team coach, going out to scout, going out to scout uh, for the varsity coach, being a JV coach, and then finding the ins, the, the ins and outs of how to be a head coach, um, all the all the time going into scouting, all the time de- doing with fundraising, it it, ma- it humbles you, and it and it makes you more uh, grateful when you do get the opportunity. So hearing that from him, a, a player of his magnitude, it means the world to me. It really does. So let's talk though about how you go about forging those relationships. How much is that just a byproduct of of your personality, and how much is that you being intentional with building relationships within your program? Our very first team meeting every year, we always go over expectations of the program, and we usually give notebooks out that have information and stuff that they can keep scouting reports in throughout the year. But the very first thing, the very first time they open up that book, we always say, the very first page says, relationships are number one. You know, And, and it's something that I've learned from my, uh, my college coach, John Barbie who is uh, coaching at Franklin Pierce, he, he actually instilled that into me. 2002 was my first time ever being a part of a winning team. Being a part of that team and, and dealing with, you know, highs and lows 
throughout a season because it's going to happen. You got to have good relationships or and you got to know what you're fighting for for it to make sense. And uh, a lot of times kids, it's, it's, it's not their fault for them coming in with a selfish mentality. We're as coaches, we're only with them for a certain amount of time. They, they have to go home and we have no idea what the values are or what parents are, are, are pushing behind closed doors. No matter what they push behind closed doors, we have to be solid in what we talk about every single day, why we play basketball. We, it's, it's a selfless mentality. It's for the other guy. We rather see the guy next to us succeed than our own selves succeed. And sometimes it might take, it might take half the season. It might take uh, three quarters of the season. Just what kind of happened with us this past year when we had six freshmen on varsity and we started off the season 0-10. But I talked to Coach Kylie at Olympia High School, and he, he would constantly text me through every week. You're getting, you're getting closer. If they, if they buy into what you're preaching, they, they will succeed. And, and then what do you know? Before we know it, one guy decides, I don't want to be a, a part of this anymore. And then we just we take off as a team. And sometimes you never know when that is going to turn around for you. But but relationships is is number one. So we we do a lot of team bonding throughout the season, whether it's going to St. Martin's games as a group, going to the movies as a group, going bowling. And then usually we we have a, a list. This is where I like to get the parents involved. And we have a list where they have to sign up to have a team dinner at, at each guy's house. And so they get to, you know, they get to go inside other people's homes and they have to show respect to, to, to their families. And, and, and everybody always welcomes them. Whether we win or lose, we got to know what we're fighting for first before we actually start fighting. I love how I love that. I love how much you place a priority on building those relationships. Uh, it's kind of like that difference of are you emphasizing success? Or you emphasizing the ability to get invited to a player's wedding, you know, someday, um, those sort of things. Um, I, I thought I asked you this too because I feel like this is kind of an issue that goes back and forth. To you, where is team chemistry on your on your list of priorities for like what makes a good coach? And is team chemistry overrated or is it underrated? I think some people would say we give too much credit to team chemistry. Like when teams are winning, we we say it was because of team chemistry. And when they aren't winning, we blame team chemistry too much when teams are losing. What do you think? Are there tangible effects that you see in your program of having this good team chemistry and the importance of fostering it in your program? Or is it more the case that team chemistry is a result, not the prerequisite to being a successful program? I believe that sometimes it goes kind of hand in hand, but I, I believe that team chemistry, in, in my perspective, at Timberline, team chemistry is underrated. Because we can, you can have a great team, and you can have great players, but if they don't play to get, don't play well together, and they're selfish, and they don't want to move the ball with each other, and they don't want to play defense for each other, or or they're just worried about their man on defense, and they're not worried about the team's success, you can you can lose sight of of why you're even playing in the first place. But in order to even be in the conversation with a, you know, Lincoln. Garfield, Rainier Beach, those teams, those elite teams, you gotta, you gotta have team chemistry. You gotta, you gotta be clicking on all cylinders 
the bench has got to be involved. Coaches have to be on the same page. We have to be playing together. We have to move the ball. We cannot settle. We can't do anything selfish when you're playing championship programs. You know what I mean? Like, but when you're when you're just out there playing, you know, a team that you know that you're in, this is how sometimes teams just show up and get beat sometimes too. Their came their team chemistry isn't right. And you know, the other teams have been scratching and crawling and they've been in every game, but they lost. This is how you this is how you overlook someone too. So we always kind of talk about not overestimating other teams' team chemistry either. And then as, as a coach, that's what that's what kind of keeps me paranoid. Sometimes it's just the buy-in. The buy-in's different. But if you're not consistent with the message, then kids that are 16, 15, whatever, have their own agenda. They all want to be John Morant. They all want to be Zion Williamson. They're, they're going to go on their agenda. And, and their agenda doesn't necessarily have anything to do with winning. It just has to do with them looking good. You can look good and, and, and still win sharing the ball. And that's the thing that kind of, as a coach, that, that drives me. You know, let's, let's get our chemistry right before we can start talking about if we're a good team or not. So I, I'm sure you've heard the old adage from coaches that, like, who would say, players don't know how much you care or how much, how much you know until they know how much you care. I'm pretty sure you've probably heard that one before. So how do you manage that, like making sure your players know you care and building those relationships and connections, but also not like coddling kids and knowing that there's going to be some friction at times. How do you handle the balance between those kinds of relationships in your program? My philosophy is I'm going to coach you hard, but I'm probably going to, I'm going to show you love even harder. So I'm not going to ever, and I say this at day one, I'm never going to put you in a position to fail, right? So if you're not playing because I can't trust you to make the right decisions or to, or to be in that moment, then it's, it's your job to figure out as a player, what do I need to do in order to be in these moments? What, what do I need to change to be in these moments? It's not about how much you score. Some of my best players that have ever played in this program have actually been football players that have bought in to smaller roles, but they have excelled over that role and, and, and made a great impact in our program. Guys like Jaron Bush, Jalen Bush, Isaac Thompson, guys that, you know, Isaac Thompson, we played a winner to state game against Prairie and we're down eight zero. They, they punches in the mouth. Uh, Coach Brown, he's like, he looks directly at Isaac Thompson who didn't score uh, more than four points the entire season and was I'm like he's our answer he's like absolutely he's our answer he goes in the game he gets three offensive rebounds kicks it out for guys for wide open threes now we're right back in the game right takes charges dives on the ground for loose balls and he's the first person to to sprint not run or jog or do it because I'm telling him he sprints over to guys and picks them up because that's who he is. There's no faking it. He's all in. And this is this is something that can overcome adversity. And we always talk about, you know, overcoming adversity. And it's my job as a coach to put you in the, the direst adverse situations in practice to where you're supposed to fail. And I want to see as a group, where are we at as a group 
are, where's our team camaraderie? Where are we at? Are we coming together in these moments when we fell? Or are we pointing fingers at each other and we're arguing with each other because we can't get it done? After a practice, a tough practice, I will usually go to our leaders first, our captains, whoever they are, and, and I ask them, what, what do we need to do to get better? We're not good enough. I want to hear what they have to say. You know what I mean? And maybe it might be we're, we're, we're running a little bit too much. We're, we're, we're focusing too much attention on defense. Uh, we need to do more shooting or something like that. Like, instead of me acting like they're beneath me, they actually play in the games. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's my job to kind of adjust to who I have as a team, too, and whether or not certain guys can handle me being uh, really hard or I need to take a couple of steps back and bring us together even more by, by with my love, either in practice or, you know what, I need to explain why this is so important. I need to explain why we don't want to give up mental penetration on defense, how it breaks down everything that we do. You know what I mean? And then, and once they actually get it and then I don't change, they're like, okay, this is how it's going to be. You know what I mean? And so this is why like this year for those guys that are new, that are new to the program, I know for a fact, it's going to be a culture shock when they come in that first week or when they come into tryouts and they're like, why are all the hoops up? Oh yeah. We don't touch the basketball the first day of, of, of tryouts. I want to see if you're actually in shape and it, and how committed you are to playing defense. You don't know why. Let's, let's see it. <laughs> you know? Well, I love that. That's a, that's a tangible effect of how you, if you prioritize relationships over, I'm just playing the most skilled guys. Like you, when you put in Thompson in there, like you're getting tangible results of this yeah. is helping us win, even though he might not be the yeah. most skilled guy out there. And I love the, the idea of talking to your captains after practice. I think that's the difference between being a coach who tells players what to do, a coach who yeah. shows players what to do, and a coach who involves players in, in their learning. Yeah. And that's an, that's an example of involving them uh, in the learning. I, I want to ask you about the role conversations, too. I mean, a lot of coaches do that. Like, what's, what's your role for this year? How do you go into that having being tough on it and being honest with it, authentic with it, but also making sure you're instilling confidence in those kids, too? How do you navigate those, those role conversations within your program? In that first meeting, we, we, we sit and we talk about each player's role in front of the whole team. So everybody knows what everybody's role is day one. I usually give, give everybody three, three things. They're not extravagant. And, I, and what, I, what I usually say is if you're not excited with your role, you know, I can tell by a lot of, you know, your shoulders slumped and, oh, man, he wants me to play defense. Really? I just want to score and be interviewed by TJ. <laughs> like, uh, there's always an opportunity to expand your role, and that's in practice. But it's either in practice with your actions and your consistent behavior, not one good practice, not two good practices, a, a, a full week or two of good practices and behavior changes, or before practice or after practice, what are you doing to affect your role, right? Are you, well, I want to shoot more. Okay, well, when we're in practice, are you actually practicing the game shots, game speed, or are you just going through the motions? Okay, if you know you're only going to get four or five shots, two shots in the corner, 
one shot up top, one shot on the wing, one shot in, in the opposite wing. Are you actually doing those shots? How many times are you seeing the ball go in before practice? And, on, and then when practice is over and the gym's empty and coaches are still around, are you asking to get on the gun to get more shots up? Or are you just content with, you know what? He should play me because I have the new Jordans or I have the most followers on IG or Twitter or 500 people follow me on Snapchat, but I only know 10. Like all of those things are inward stuff that, that hurts and affects teams. So like, I think a, a good thing that we're having this conversation is I was always been a stiff for the first like four or five years I was coaching. I never even let these guys have social media. I just didn't want to deal with the the outside BS of, you know, their opinions after a game, especially a loss. And after having a conversation, a long conversation with Jason Kerr, you know, at O'Day about, you know, how he does things. And I asked him about social media. How do you, how do you do that? He was like, well, you can say they don't have social media, but you know that they're going to be on social media. It's our jobs as coaches to teach them the difference between right and wrong. And I, and I had to take a step back and I'm like, you know what, if I was playing for me and, <laughs> and I heard that, that we didn't have it, you know, I would be like, Oh man, I don't really want to play for this guy. You know what I mean? But, but after actually sitting down with, with the coaches and being like, okay, let's teach them what to, what to say if they are going to talk to the, to the media, you know, uh, and it's the media's job to do their job. You know what I mean? But if they ask you, hey, you had a great game. You scored this and this and this. And it looked like you really had it going tonight. But you got to know that it could potentially be a setup for uh, you know, a disaster how you answer this question. Because little do you know, 10th, 11th, 12th man on the team are all looking at, at the best player and what he's saying. So. You know, we used to always talk about how to deflect things and make it about the team and make it about the whole instead of individualism. Because to be honest, it's it's not even about championships for me coaching. It's about it's about the journey. It's it's about all of those days where we had problems getting through a transition drill and, and in the beginning of the year, but now we're making it. At the, we're making it no problem midseason. It's about Eric, Eric Stevenson possibly being looked at as a guy who's selfish from his teammates. And then through our bonds and through our going out and having time outside of basketball and people seeing him in a different light and him opening up and, and realizing that, you know what, I don't have to be this one guy that everybody sees me all the time. I can just let my hair down and have fun. It, it, it puts everybody at ease. You know what I mean? And so I think that over the last eight years, I've had the pleasure of coaching three Division One players in Kassan Routes, who's at Eastern Washington, Eric Stevenson, and, and, and Donovan Dorsey. And now have a, another opportunity with coaching Brooklyn Hicks. And he's, a, he's the next guy. It's making them realize that you have more power in your voice than, than I do as a head coach. If you tell Johnny, Hey man, if we really need you today, 
we need really need you to bring it in in in, in conditioning because you're going to help you're going to help me you know get ready for this game it's going to mean more than me saying johnny get on the line why why are you last in lines you know what i mean and so like being you know being having that power within your voice you know what i mean at, at practice so we really do a, a a big thing about communication and practice and over over communicating and practice on positives. If a guy makes a good pass to you and you make a layup, if you don't let that guy know he made a good pass, okay, that's extra. That's a, I want to have an extra uh, reminder after practice, at the end of practice, uh, you know what I mean? Like our communication, it needs to be a, almost elite because we aren't as good. I'm telling you right now, we every every season I tell them to say that we are not as good as the teams in the Metro League. You have to know it. You have to realize it. You have to understand it. And in order for us to be in the same breadth of them as them in March, we have got to come together on a whole nother level. Right? And, and it's not and it's not about, well, I score 15 against Yelm or I score 15 against uh, North Thurston. That doesn't matter when you're when Paulo Banchero is standing on the other side of half court Ready, ready to uh, a little go, different go than the gardens at Yelm or the right. gardens at you know Peninsula right? or Gig Harbor, yeah. <laughs> right, and so if you don't if you don't come with your A game, it's going to be a long night. You addressed a bunch of specific challenges to like this generation of athlete in there, like the 2020 athlete, maybe compared to when you started 18 years ago, or some of the older coaches you know, and how they deal with kids differently uh, today. I, I love how you talked about like instilling that communication within your leaders. Because what I've heard too is that your best teams, your best players are your best leaders. And so uh, instilling your best players to not just, you know, be inwardly focused, but be team focused. And I think that is maybe more of a challenge today because kids are so maybe not as prone to communication in these days and maybe past. But to you, I mean, I'd love to talk about some challenges connecting kids during the pandemic like we are now, because I think coaches and people would love to hear how you do those things. But I imagine there's still some very specific challenges to coaching this generation of student-athletes, a 2020 athlete or the Gen Z athlete. How, to you, has connecting with athletes today changed maybe to when you started coaching or when you were playing or how you see maybe even older coaches interact with these kids? I would say when I very first started coaching, uh, the guys weren't really on their phones that much at all. They're 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 not really checking ESPN on their apps. They're not check. They're not checking Twitter. They're not checking IG. They're not they're not getting a a, a hoop over you know what I'm saying. Uh, what they see on their phone. They were they're more engaged. These these this generation, they have their hand. They have their hands on their phones constantly. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a study that found that 79% of kids in this generation display some sort of emotional distress when kept away from their personal electronic device. And it said that 55% spend more than five hours per day on their mobile device. I mean, think about your practices. What are those, two hours, two and a half hours at times? Maybe three? So they're spending about twice as much time on their phone every day than they are with you in practice. Do you find yourself maybe incorporating technology more because of that or how do you navigate like this this the electronic device tuned kid today so like i i, I kind of try to use it to my advantage on 
on uh, when we go when we scout, right? When we scout teams and we actually look at the opposing opponent. So like, let's take Puyallup for example. Like if we're gonna play Puyallup, let's let's sit down and uh, let's what let's watch some film. Now obviously, there's there's different ways that you can do huddle. You know, if you have huddle assist, you know you can. I kind of I should get a little promotion plug from that. I get part sure. from huddle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> so if you if you, you can break it down to where these are these are the actions that they like to run, and after each action, I'm going to show you an action, and then I'm going to stop the film, and then I'm going to make you guys come up on on the board and show me how how would you stop this, right? You know, because I, I want them to think inward and outward, and express it with their words. You know what I mean in front of the team, and sometimes people aren't comfortable doing that, and that's fine. One of our thing, our models is. You got. I want to make sure that you're comfortable with being uncomfortable. Is I'm going to put you. I'm going to continue to push the envelope, mentally and physically. Physically at practice, you know, you're going to feel like you're tired. Okay, well, this is when the good stuff really happens. When you're when you're emotionally drained, you'll see how much you actually have and how much you can. We always talk about digging deep, deeper than, you know. Okay, I'm exhausted. Well, this is when you find out how good you really are. Is when you're tired, right? You know how am I how am I going to mentally focus and make these free throws when I'm hovering over? Coach just made me do a suicide run, okay? Um, and then so also what I do I talk about after we do the little breakdown from the from the plays, I say that's that's one day. Let's say we play a team on Saturday. Okay, the next time we're in the film, okay, I'm going to give them hey homework. Hey, I need you guys to watch. From, I need you to watch the entire third quarter, and then when we come in tomorrow, tell me what you saw. So with Huddle, they can look on their phones, and I can actually see as a coach how long they have been logged in on Huddle. And I and it in all honesty, I tell them you're gonna tell me a lot about how much you care about your teammates, how much you care about this team, how much you care about winning, with how much you are logged in and actually and you can be logged in and looking at yourself and at what you're doing wrong, but at least you're being a student of the game. You need to use this technology to your advantage. And, and I would say the one, I know other programs are doing it, you know, different ways, but I would say O'Day and how they break down everything is 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 like college. It's like it's like a, a Division One program. How 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 they're breaking down information to guys, you know. And so a lot of a lot of things that I like to do that I kind of took from them is, uh, you know, kind of like that shot chart. Here's your shot chart. You know, I kind of give guys uh, a printout that they can put in their in their notebooks. Hey, this this is this is where you normally shoot the basketball at, and here's the percentages. When you shoot that from two point, three point, and free throw line. So we all have to understand that we can all improve no matter who we are, no matter what offer we might get, no matter if we're a college player or if this is. And for some of us, we have to understand that after this year, after high school, we're never playing, we're never playing basketball again, whether, whether it's because I want to go on and go to the Army 
or go. Uh, I want to go to work. Or I want to work and make money. It's your choice, right? You know that's why there's only one percent of, of, of athletes in Washington that are Division One athletes. They're the elite of the elite, and there's a reason why they've made a sacrifice for what they really want to do. So in order for you guys to get what you ultimately want, and I know you want to, I know you want the travel gear. I know you want the new jerseys, the shoes. I know you want that, but you should want to come together as a team. You should want to win. And if you're going to do that, you need to use what we got, our technology to your advantage, because a lot of programs don't have or aren't willing to spend that much money for this information. And, and it's tough, right? You know, because everybody's situation isn't the same. And I'm not saying it should be. But since ours is where it's at, take full advantage of what you got. You, you have no excuse why you can't log in to your phone for, e give me 15 minutes, if anything. 15 minutes might change your whole shooting percentage, your form, all of that. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, you, if, if you really care, you'll do it. Have you seen results with that? Have you seen kids taking that? I mean, I'm sure you see some that just, you know, it's coach speak and it's going to go through one year and out the other. But do you see kids taking to that and being able to see tangible results based off of some of those incorporations you've done? I've seen it from a few different players. I've seen it from shooters. Shooters do, uh, do a great job of, of, you know what, taking that information of what you get. You know, they always kind of have a perception of how good they're actually shooting compared to what the actual stats say, right? And so, you know what? Well, you think you're a great shooter? Well, usually, huh, good shooters, great shooters, around 40%, you know what I mean, from three, you know? And, and I'm like, and it's different when I always try to go off of wide open threes versus contested threes. If you're, if you're a shooter, and that's what your job is, right? Obviously, you know, your shot shouldn't be high percentage uh, if you're contested. Guys are actually flying at you. But uh, that should be, okay, maybe, th let's say 35%, 30, 30, 35. I can deal with, I can handle that as a coach. But I can't handle you being 25 to 30% wide open threes. Maybe you're open for a reason. You know what I mean? And sometimes I always like to say that, you know, like, well, coach, I'm open. Well, coach, I'm open. Well, the reason why is because of the, the numbers that I'm putting in front of you. If you want to change the numbers, then we need to change your behavior before practice or after practice and we're not guess where we're going to start shooting from it's not going to be from three you need to get back to the basics of shooting let's talk about your form elbow eyes follow through let's talk about that before we move on to something else we're we're we're, we're in the world now of skipping steps i'm not in the world of skipping steps we can't do that in lacey washington i can't skip steps with some of the guys that I'm coaching every single day, they have to perfect fundamentals. They have to. They have to be elite at fundamentals in order to have a chance against O'Day, Garfield, Rainier Beach with superior talent, superior athleticism, speed, and quickness. They're going to make you, they're going to make that shot that you're taking wide open. It's going to be a rush shot for sure. You think it's wide open right now? What happens when, when that guy, when uh, Nate Robinson's son comes out and he's flying by you, and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't think anybody that small could jump that high. Well, I've been telling you about it all the time. This is why we like to 
we like to schedule games that make sense in the longer in the in the, in the longer picture in the big in the big picture. If you want to, we want to play game teams that are superior to us, and in 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 different aspects of the game. Whether it's it's an Olympia that they are going Olympia High School is going to run. I'm not playing with you. At least ten to twelve different sets for Jackson Grant. He's going to be moved all over this floor, and we need to be mentally prepared for what he's going to do. When we play when we play Rainier Beach, they are going to press us the entire game. And we are going to have to we have to understand that we cannot beat their pressure with the dribble. It has to be with fundamentals, pivots, turns, moving and cutting without the basketball. And when you catch the ball, being strong with the ball. So it's our responsibility as coaches to put them in those situations at practice. You know, and, and, and one thing that I did tell uh, Coach Brown is that we got to do a better job of is holding them accountable for the little small details that they are skipping, whether it's, you know, we're doing three-man week and we're not coming to a jump stop when we catch the ball. Not getting all the way to the baseline. All the way to the baseline. Touch the lines. Yeah. Do it again. You know what I mean? There, there has to be some type of consequence for your behavior. You know what I mean? Because if, if, if you get away with it for so long in your league, guys will humble you outside of your league. I think you touched on something that I think some coaches struggle with with kids today is you hear a lot that kids can't accept criticism today, even if it's constructive criticism. But there you're offering examples of, okay, we're going to break this down. I'm going to criticize you a little bit on the these, these shot selection you've been taking. But then you're also offering the why behind it. Um, how do you how do you handle those honest conversations, those tell the truth conversations within your program, especially the kids where we all say today, ah, oh, these kids they can't accept that kind of criticism. How do you handle those conversations? I, I think the the best way to answer this question is to talk about Brooklyn Brooklyn Hicks. I started them off last season on the wing. I said, you know, I, I really need to. I, I, from a from a selfish standpoint as a coach, I I saw all the things that he could do to help us score, right? I said, you know what, you gotta get you gotta get downhill, you gotta do what you gotta do, you have the freedom to score it, okay? But then I then I had to take a step back when it when it wasn't resulting in wins. How is it being perceived by the other guys, and what can I do to help the game easier for Brooklyn? Not only for Brooklyn but for his teammates who were playing with him. And a conversation that we had, we actually went out to go see Capital versus Skyview at Capital. And me, Coach Brown, and, and Brooklyn, we sat together, and, and we just basically said, hey, what do you think about being the point guard? And then he was like, oh, I can do that. You know what I mean? Kind of hesitant. Like, I can. You know what I mean? I said, in order for us to change the season, you got to remember, we were 0-10 at the point. I need you to be unselfish, play point, kick. I need you to kick the ball ahead every chance you get. Kick the ball ahead. So everybody knows you're trying to create tempo, move it with the pass, and you are unselfish and you, you are a willing passer. That's number one, okay? Number two, if they don't have it in transition, you will get the basketball back. Now the defense has sprinted back into either the paint 
or they spent they sprint back to relocate. Now you're getting the ball and you're seeing every piece in front of you. Now you can either create offense, early offense, or your teammates need to see you make that decision, a smart decision of backing it out and calling something. And then also what I need you to do, you need to be a better defender and you need to be a better rebounder. The reason why I say you need to be a better rebounder, let's look back at the guys before you who were, who were great. Donovan Dorsey, yes, he's 6'7", but he was phenomenal on the glass. And what I used to tell him is if you get that rebound, push it until somebody stops you, right? If they don't stop you, keep it, go in, do what you do. But if not, you need to be smart enough and unselfish enough to make the right play for your teammates. And he, and he did it so much to the point that where his teammates started passing him the ball back to finish. And I'm like, I can do that with this kid too. We took off as a team, as a team. You know what I mean? But like, as far as a shooter goes in a different type of role, or even a defender, I, I tell my shooters, you know what, I'm not really okay with your shot selection right now, but I'm gonna, I can tell you exactly where you're going to get your shot at. And then I am willing to stick around after practice and make sure you are taking these game shots, game speed, so you're not overwhelmed when I tell you to go out there. And a lot of times what people don't realize when I'm, you know, it looks like I'm crazy going up and, that, up and down the sidelines. But a lot of times if I have a shooter sitting and standing in front of me in, in the corner and I know the ball's about to go down, I pretty much am, am, am telling him and reassuring him, you've done this before. If you get the ball, you better shoot the ball. Whether you make it or you don't, shoot it. We tell guys, we go, we do a lot of plus, uh, plus minus stuff in games. We have a coach that does that for us. And we actually, we're going to start doing that and practice a little bit more now too. When we, whenever we do do a scrimmage and stuff like that, and we let guys know every single time we scrimmage, this is an opportunity for playing time. And one thing we tell them at the very beginning of the, of, of the season is we don't have a set lineup for the entire season ever. And the reason why I say that is because it gives a kid an opportunity and a carrot to, you know what, if I am improving and the guy in front of me doesn't, ha doesn't bring it that day or that week, I can take a spot. You know what I mean? And sometimes we might need a spark defensively. We don't need it. We might not need a spark offensively. We, we might need to find a guy that's going to change the game on the defensive end or even change the game with his intangibles, being in the right spot to take that charge or being in the right spot to get rebounds if we're having problems rebounding. A guy that actually wants to be physical and be in there. And I think what that does, it always keeps, it keeps it fresh for our guys. And then it doesn't matter whether you're the best player or not. If, you're, if you don't bring it, you don't bring it. One of uh, Eric's better games that he ever had was against uh, Foss at Foss. I actually talked to Coquet about it the other day. He almost had a quadruple double and he didn't start. It was off the bench. It doesn't matter if you start a game, you know what I mean? Or, or you know, if you're a starter or if you play. What are you doing when you win in the game? How are you affecting winning? This is what it's about at the end of the day. We want to win the game. We don't want to tie the game. We don't want to lose the game. We want to win the game. So how are we going to do that? You know what I mean? And sometimes that sacrifice is, is the biggest part. And sometimes it's sacrificing being cool in order to stay after 
and get that extra teaching. I want to go back to something you were touching on a little bit earlier, kind of your, how animated you can be on the sideline. We, I've seen, you've seen in some of those games, it's just kind of a different personality. And, you know, a lot of coaches, I think they do struggle with, how do I not take that too far? I think the extreme side was, I think you remember this, when Tom Izzo was coaching in that March Madness game. He had a freshman. I'm sure you remember it. Um, but it's um, where he's just berating this kid, or this freshman, after, after the, I think they had just had an 8-0 run, even something like that too. But it certainly doesn't seem like we see those types of interactions between coaches and players as much as maybe we would have a few decades ago. But obviously there are still plenty of great coaches like Izzo who have the pedigree and the success in connecting with their players to, to be able to build those things even despite those outbursts. But is there a place in today's game, particularly in high school, for those kinds of interactions? And how do you and how should today's coaches handle getting on a player like that and handling your emotions the the balance between that telling the truth and getting on them versus trying to get some confidence in them too. I have changed dramatically since when I first started coaching to to now. Uh, there there has been uh, a couple of outbursts here and there in a season. There probably only be a couple, you know, where I need to get that point across, whether it's in practice or in the game. As far as Tom Izzo goes, I think the reason why he was he even felt that he could do that to him i don't think that had to do anything with his pedigree at all i thought that had to do with his relationship with that player and he knows what buttons to push with that guy in individually right to to get him going to hold him accountable to light a fire to you know to pick it up now there's been guys that i can scream at to, to the moon and back. One, one in particular is Brendel Evans. Brendel Evans, I could yell at him till the, till the sky is uh, pitch black, and he wouldn't blink. A lot of times it wouldn't be even about what he's doing, per se. It, it would be get the guys together. It's your job to make sure we're on the same page. Why are we, why are we coming down and jacking up bad shots? So holding him accountable because he he actually he he had the pulse of the team as a player, and then there's guys that I could yell at, and they could respond, and you know, and it, and it could light a fire, and that's like an Eric Stevenson, you know what I'm saying? Like Eric was one of those guys, and I still think he is kind of this guy. Is if you don't say anything to him, he's just gonna kind of go through the motions. But if you if you kind of light a fire to him or or, or remind him that you know what, hey man, we are in a game and this game does matter, you know, and, and, and you're not really doing your part, then it's going to be it's going to. But we also have that relationship too. So I would say that if any any new coach, young coach coming in, you gotta you gotta have the trust of your players first to know, you know what I mean, like. They actually trust you that you're that you're always going to be there for them through through, uh, you know, highs and lows. But then also the relationships and it goes back to relationships, because another thing that I tell them day one is I love you all this. I love you all equally. I'm going to coach you hard. I'm going to love you harder. Oh, and I'm going to coach you hard. But I, I know that. Some of you guys can't handle a roo rah 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 guy. I know that. So it is going to be different strokes for different folks. 
However, if I am going to be hard on you, it's it's because the expectation has rose for you, and I need you to step up to to do the things that you talk about or you because I always have them write down three goals and I want them to be personal goals. I don't want them to be team goals. I want you this if you're gonna be selfish, this is the one time in this meeting you're allowed to be selfish. We're not on the court. Get tell me what you really want. Right? And then sometimes I kind of hold them to the fire. You said you want to be this, but then you're going you're going uh half speed in this drill. Or you're not you're not uh, running off the screen, getting your feet set, gain speed, but yet you want this. No, it's not good enough. You know what I'm saying? So what are you going to do? So I, I always try to hold them accountable, and I, but I do understand that this generation is a little different too. You know, they're, they're, they might be a little bit more fragile than, than before, and this is why I've had to take a few steps back and realize that, like, you know, like this year, I had six freshmen, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, we should be we should be beating Mark Morris right now. We should be beating Kelso. What is going on? What's wrong with us? And then, you know what? It's not what's wrong with them. It's, it's what's wrong with Coach. Let's, let, let me take responsibility and understand that I have six freshmen on varsity, they went from playing middle school basketball, and now, now, now you have to be in on time. It's 15 minutes early, dressed ready to go. Some of them are getting used to that, and I have to show them the way. You just explained here the the absolute tangible effect of building those connections within your program. Because when you do that, you know, can I push this guy's buttons? Do I need to speak to this kid in a different way? Because if I get on him, he's not going to respond to it. And when you get in those heat of the game moments, that's when those things show up because they know they can trust you and those, that kid you are getting on and yelling at is going to know that I know he this is coming from the coach loves me and wants to see me succeed and has expectations for me. So this is an absolute tangible way in the how you measure how building those relationships impacts your program. And I don't want to take too much more of your time here, but I would love to get some quick little things of how you are handling building those connections, those relationships right now when we're in this pandemic and we're not being able to be on the court. I mean, right now, we're probably, if this is a normal season, we're playing games right now. And here we are, you're sitting in your car. <laughs> you're not being able to go be in a gym with all your kids. How are, right now, how are you navigating all that as, as the coach in this program, especially a lot of young kids? And how, are you, do you stay in touch with them? Do you try to give them some distance? How do you handle all this? So what I've been doing is, I've been the rah, 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 rah guy now about a different thing uh, now that we're not playing and it's been, it's been about grades. So what I've, what I've been doing is every single week I've been, I've been doing my own little grade check, literally going down the list and not just varsity guys, potential varsity guys or whatever, the entire program and seeing, I, I just basically be like, you know what? These grades are unacceptable. You, you, you're failing more than multiple classes right now. If, if we started the season right now, you wouldn't play. So what are you going to do to, what are you going to do to change that? And then a lot of times they'd be like, well, well, I don't know what's going on. Well, Skyward, you got to love Skyward because when you click on a class, it actually shows each assignment. So I'm like, okay, I actually wrote down all of your, all of your missing assignments for you. So now, you know, now, now you, I'm going to take a picture of them and I'm going to send them to you. 
And also, I'm going to reach out to your family and let them know where, where we're at right now. These guys, with, with the season now going on, I have been trying to reach out personally, either through text or if, I, if they don't respond. I first, I try text first because I know 90% of my team responds to a text quicker than they do a phone call, which makes zero sense, by the way. And then, hey, and then if any coaches, this is for new coaches, old coaches, if you ever really truthfully wanted to get the hold of your players and you're having a hard time getting a hold of them, try Snapchatting them. They'll respond back to Snapchats quicker than any than anything. So one thing I, I never really did before in the past was I never I try to have some type of line of communication. Like I never had I never added them on Instagram, but I would but I would add them on Twitter. And then kind of keep, you know, give messages to Twitter to guys. And so now, since I've since we've been in the pandemic, I've actually added majority of the guys Snapchat, and then I added them, and I added them on on IG. You haven't added them on TikTok yet. That hasn't that hasn't come up yet. They, they they've been asking me to get a, to get a TikTok, and I'm like, you don't want to see these dance moves. I, I heard a coach recently talk about how he did a he had a Zoom meeting with his basketball players, and one of the things he did, he's like, I heard they like TikTok, so I told them to all do their own. TikTok challenge like very recently you know they're not able to get in a gym and stuff so like a, they said they all loved it and it's kind of a fun thing so and I might I might have to do that because I that's another thing I see them do a lot of you know what I mean and so I, I think the reason why I did the IG thing in the Snapchat is majority of my time in the pandemic I've been our gym has been open not, not Timberline but my, my my actual gym has been open so I basically per, post stuff post-workout stuff you know what i'm saying like another another day in the gym I, and then and a lot of times i know they don't like it but on ig there's a thing that you can actually at them and and post it and then so they would get it in their in their feed and i'm like have you been to the gym today you know what i mean like if coach can do it you can do it and then what i've been doing for a lot of our guys is i've been giving them a program to do on their own whether it's um a lifting program, because some people have the weights at home that they can do. A lifting program, a running program, even if it's just having a jump rope, you know, a stamina, quickness, hitting ladder drills. And then I talk about shots. Like shots are the are, are, are one of the biggest things that you could be doing a lot of that you and another teammate could do. Somebody to pass you the basketball and then telling them what type of shots to do and then um, and what type of fundamentals that they can that they can do on their own you know what i mean and then so that's the biggest thing that i've been trying to do for these guys i know it's i know it's mentally i can only imagine you know because i adore basketball but the guys that actually really love playing all the time i can i can only imagine what they're going through and i and and my heart really does go out to a lot of the seniors you know this year especially those guys that are kind of in limbo of am i a community college guy or am i a d2 guy Am I a D3 guy or am I an NAIA guy? They needed something to showcase themselves, and, and they don't have it. I love what you do there because it's so easy for all of us to just be so down about this. But what's one thing I can do to maybe motivate a kid today, to maybe get him off right. of his couch, get him off of Apex Legends, whatever video game he plays, <laughs> and get him doing some sort of workout? Fortnite. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How do I get him off of that? Yeah. And, what, and one thing I can do is say, if coach is doing it, 
you can do it too. And that, that's that's one. It's a little thing, and obviously it doesn't make up for not having a season, but it's right. something we can do. It's something that's in our control um, right. to be able to try to uh, try to reach out and still have those connections with kids, even when we're not in a basketball gym together. And I, I don't want to take any more of your time. You've been so great, coach. Really appreciate everything you've. So many hopefully buzzwords that are out there for people to take into their own programs for this. But is there anything else you didn't get a chance to say in this that you think should be said about this topic? Find an inner circle that makes sense, you know, of coaches. Uh, I've been very blessed to have a few Hall of Famers, you know, in my corner. You know, I have the the greatest inner circle that I could possibly imagine. Uh, Pat Mullen at Emerald Ridge. Coach Kelly at Curtis. Jason Kerr at O'Day. Coach Howe at uh, Skagit, and I, I, I couldn't be more pleased with, you know, them and how they hold me accountable to what I'm doing. Being young, you think you know it all until you actually are in a situation that you never even dreamed of, you know, and it, and it could be as small as rotations or it could be late game situations. Or, or it even could be, how do I handle this disgruntled parent? You know what I mean? Like, they're really, like, attacking my character. What do I do? And these guys have been the backbone to my success as a coach because whenever I feel like I want to just throw my hands in the air, like, these guys just won't, they just won't listen. Should I do something different? And then, like, you can second-guess yourself sometimes when you're, if you lose. You know what I mean? And so... You know, they always tell me to stay solid in, in, in your values and whatever they are cannot change your values now just because it's not going your way. So handling adversity is something that we all do differently. And I think that having people that actually care about their own kids and, you know, family guys, you know, it's, it's always a different perspective. From a young guy that doesn't really have a family or whatever, and they're just they got so much energy, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean, and they're doing everything. But to a guy that's well established and they have they have kids and they 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 have to not only and and their 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 teachers, their coaches, and their dads, you know what I mean? Like those those people have really helped me understand that sometimes, man, it's just not about you. You know, the kids have other things that they have going on in their lives. They have girlfriends. They have families. They have chores that they got to do. They have stresses with school and being a certain way. And then on top of that, they have to deal with you. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. That would be tough. And so, you know, kind of just this is why we do a lot of stuff outside of outside of the court, because even if it's going on run sometimes we go to chambers uh bay to run and i know they hate it but i make them run run it indian style and i basically say it's not about who comes in first you guys all have to come in at the same time so you all got to carry your own weight around here whether that's the uh, the post player like we had a post player that's you know small and kid three three sixty six seven three sixty but he never complained about the run Guys were encouraging him. Guys were helping him. Guys are clapping for him when we get across the finish line. And then that's when they go one way. And then I'm, they're like, oh, we're done, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot. 
you got to go back the other way. And then they're like, oh. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it forces people to come together. And, 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 it's, and it's weird to – I think it's our job as coaches to figure out how we can come together. Yeah, winning is what we want to do, but it's the journey that means the most. This is the journey that they're going to remember the most, right? They, I mean, yeah, if you win a state championship, obviously you're going to win. You're going to remember that. That's not. That's never going to. But what? There's only one champion, right? There's only one champion. So all those other guys that don't have a championship that are seniors, when they reflect on their on their four years, what are they going to remember most? And that's something that keeps me up at night. I want them to remember all the times spent off the court. You know, I want them to remember all the times that it wasn't going well for them that day. They didn't have their good day. They weren't in the best mood. Their coach pushed them through that day because sometimes it's so easy to quit. And we don't know as coaches how close a guy is to quitting. And that's not what we want to do. That's not what we signed up for. We want to try to push and, and motivate guys as much as we possibly can. That's, that's the end game. That's my end game at least. Coach, I, I love it so much. I feel like we could talk for three more hours. Um, really appreciate all your time. Coach Thomas, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you.